Hello, everybody, and a very warm welcome to the Event Industry News podcast. My name is James Dixon, and as always, I wish you all a very good morning, afternoon, or evening, whenever or wherever you tune into today's podcast from. And I'm delighted to say, uh, maybe not as delighted as, as she is uh, uh, joining us at this hour of the morning. I'm uh, Monday afternoon over in the UK, and our guest today has got up uh, maybe a little bit extra early to be ready for the, today's podcast. Um, our guest today joins us from Zoom Events and is Zoom Events head of uh, head of events, Wei Lee. Wei, a very warm welcome to the Event Industry News podcast. Um, I've kept the introduction relatively short today because. Um, I want to try and get as much as possible into today's episode um, because it's a it's a real privilege to have you on. First of all, thank you very much for joining us. Um, and as people who are watching the video of today's podcast will see, is that is that behind way is the Zoom events logo. Zoom yeah. being a brand, a name, a platform that billions of people around the world will be familiar with. And certainly every single person listening and tuning into the Event Industry News podcast will have used it at some point. But it's just over a year since Zoom launched its virtual events management solution, Zoom Events, a dedicated platform to do just that. Um, to date, there are over 7,000 customers using the platform and currently around 150 events every day. Um, after unveiling a host of features for Zoom events over the last year, uh, recent developments have seen Zoom announce a series of updates that will further simplify virtual and hybrid events, improve networking and help organisers expand reach. And as I said, joining us today is ahead of Zoom events, Wei Li. So Wei, welcome to the podcast. Um, tell us a little bit, first of all, about the development and the launch of Zoom events in summer of 2021 um, and how long that had been in development for. Thanks. Um, thanks, James. Uh, this is Wei, and uh, thank you for having me. Uh, and good, uh, good morning, good evening, depending on where you join this uh, podcast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> for us in California, this is relatively early, and it's Monday morning. So uh, mm -hmm. forgive me if I, uh, to begin with, I'm uh, probably a little slow to respond here. Uh, so Zoom events was uh, launched initially uh, back to summer 2021, uh, July 23rd, 2021. Uh, so since then, we have, first of all, uh, hosted the Zoomtopia um, Zoom events, and uh, we have rolled out the changes and updates and new innovations every other week. Uh, so mm -hmm. if there's anything that you see the feedback coming from users and the customers, we tend to incorporate them pretty quickly, uh, first of all. Now, uh, secondly, uh, if everyone, uh, I'm assuming, uh, not probably not everyone, let me just give a little rundown. So uh, at the launch uh, last year, we initially had a published released a feature so-called a summit, and that is a single series uh, uh, event where there's no concurrency. Uh, that's at the launch. And soon after, in July, uh, September 2021, we hosted a Zoomtopia. Uh, that we had around 30, more than 30,000 of virtual attendees. By the way, that event is completely virtual. So 30,000 and more than, uh, uh, of course, a number of registrants uh, than that. Uh, at that time, uh, the format and also the feature that we've used for Zoom Tobia 2021 uh, was called a conference. And that's multi-day, multi-session with the concurrencies. And with a relatively, uh, at the time, there would, we had some expo, but not uh, too much of it. Now, like I said, we've been releasing features uh, very, very quickly. Every other week, we're making the cloud deployment. 
Um, so since then, we have added a lot of a lot of good features. So starting out with the Zoom webinar, uh, and we have had this notion of a green room, and that that we official name we call the backstage. Mm -hmm. So basically, it's a central place uh, for presenters to hang out and between the sessions, and then discuss the last minute changes. And they, of course, they are safe in the back in the green uh, uh, room, and uh, they can talk among each others, and they can see what's happening on the stage. Yeah, and, and that, that that was something. So sorry if I may uh, interject. Their way is that is that okay. that was something when I was reading about some of the developments that really jumped out at me as somebody who works on the production side of events. I'm I'm often at live events liaising with the speakers backstage. And in real life, you have that green room, you have that speaker lounge where your presenters will meet beforehand, exchange contact details, have a coffee, relax, talk to each other about their session. And when we jumped into the world of virtual events in, for me, my first one was in the autumn of 2020. So when we were very much in lockdown, still in the UK, trying to replicate and 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 get the, the the speaker side of things coordinated was really really difficult so I, I was really keen and interested to see that you've added that feature in and presumably that's that's come from feedback you've had from users is, is that that's something that they see operationally as a, a key benefit absolutely uh, and the, since the feature was released our users are actually using that in a very creative way we did not think of it before so even think about the, the watch party uh, mm. in the backstage and the people staying in the backstage and they're watching what's going on uh, in the main stage and that they can uh, communicate it, they can talk to each other, see each other. So mm. it's very cool. Um, if you haven't tried, I really encourage you to try it out, uh, uh, feel it out how you can have some other creative ways of using that. Sure. And well, One thing I wanted to ask on today's recording was um, about the roadmap for Zoom events and whether or not there was a, a plan and the, the the development of Zoom events was already in place pre-pandemic because when it was launched, obviously August in, in 2001, that was a you know 18 months on really from the pandemic beginning. Um, was it just coincidence that it came along at a time when people really, really needed it? Or was Zoom events something that was already on the roadmap pre-pandemic and maybe good fortune was was smiling on you? That was excellent a question. Uh, so uh, this whole thing started out as um, some of us, uh, especially myself, uh, red pandemic uh, started, no one had expected. Uh, we were all trying to find alternative, uh, for example, for me, going to work out. I no longer could go into the gym or studio. Yeah. So I just started finding some online alternative. That's where when I realized that overnight, a lot of those uh, yoga teachers and all this, they just moved their business overnight to Zoom, to my surprise. So there are a couple of them. And I realized that all of them were doing very similar thing. And that is using Zoom to teach and then use another platform to handle the payment. And then use another platform to do the advertisement. Uh, mm -hmm. Otherwise, how would people? And it took me six weeks just to get to find a right yoga teacher who would actually host that kind of a forum. So uh, while helping those uh, teachers and the coaches, uh, and a lot of them gave me the feedback. And that is after they realized I was a Zoom employee, they said, oh, well, if you guys had this Zoom, why can't you just put a few things together so we don't have to go all over the places and try to stitch the solutions together? So that's when we uh, started having 
uh, introducing those notion of on Zoom, on Zoom uh, uh, com. If uh, if people can still look into, so that was our answer in year twenty twenty, Zoomtopia. We launched the beta on Zoom to satisfy to make the small business owners who re were relying on Zoom a platform to host their classes. And we have the all-in-one payment system. Yes, it's a symbol, but it's very functional and pretty much satisfied with this and be used. Now, when we launched that on Zoom for the small business owners on um, year 2020 Zoomtopia, a lot of our enterprise customers were like, Okay, I see that you guys launched the uh, the event platforms for small business owners. What about us? We also need the uh, events, and we barely even had our audience. We barely had any in-person events. We really need a platform. So this is when we started the pivoting, thinking, okay, how can we make this event platform to work for enterprise, for large uh, uh, customers, uh, large size of. Uh, events as well as a small size for small business uh, uh, owners. So, so that's when we uh, pivoted to do the Zoom uh, events. And we uh, debated a lot of time whether we should have a complete public event directory or not. And uh, it's, of course, obviously, everything is all about the prioritization. Then this is what we realized that there's so much more we can do just for events itself. And we will let, and besides, a lot of events are not only just external events, but a lot of internal events. Mm -hmm. So that's when we uh, conceived the idea we should redo uh, this one platform that can fit everyone's use cases here. Uh, yeah. So that's when in uh, the summer uh, year uh, 2021, we launched uh, Zoom uh, events uh, that can be tailored for all spectrum of use cases. And of mm -hmm. course, having very robust payment system, very robust analytics, everything that small business owner would need all the way to large enterprises and for large school uh, universities would use. Mm. I I'm curious to ask as well, whether or not um, there was a, a big demand from other tech platforms for integration of Zoom into their virtual event platforms and whether or not any of that contributed to your own desire as a business to actually develop a platform that was standalone that wouldn't need, you know, Zoom plugging into another uh, platform as such that, you know, you would actually have everything within Zoom. Was, was there, were you seeing a huge demand for that in the, particularly in the summer of 2020? Uh, yes. Um, so if you look at uh, events, there are different formats of events really depending on the needs. So you can say that a very simple event that, that could be uh, just a few people's gathering and introduce uh, the, let's say, the new uh, embroidery that I just had. That's mm -hmm. a few persons of events. Then Zoom meeting will be good enough. Yeah. Now, when you, let's say, have some sort of, okay, how can you uh, strike the best GMAT score or SAT score for the college? And then you can imagine the number of students and parents who be coming to that kind of a seminar, probably over hundreds, sometimes over a thousand. So this is when Zoom webinar will be best to use one single session in a way the part of predominantly presenters giving a speech and then the rest of people will be listening. Yeah. Now, if you want to expand that, audience further beyond say uh, you want a hundred thousand or close to a million of users to do it then we can use the webinars plus the live streaming to third-party platform yeah, yeah. however yeah. keep it going down that path if you have a sales kickoff if you have a product uh, summit this is where you would need multiple sessions likely within the same day how would you get schedule it so then you will have to do the schedule one at a time and put on everyone's calendar. Okay, the first session, blah, blah, blah. The second session, blah, 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 right? 
So this is where the events would make sense. One single centralized place where at single clients you can see today, here's the agenda. And you know what? Concurrently, I may even look into that. Other than this, I may just stay in the lobby to relax while everyone else might be on the session. I can chat with someone not going into the actual session. So yeah. this is where the event uh, makes sense. And this is how we evolved from Zoom beginning with a single session meeting, webinar, larger audience, and then multi-session, and then eventually concurrency. And then while the, the uh, uh, exciting things might be happening on the stage and the people can still hang around in a lounge in the uh, expo uh, to talk about uh, each other's. So this is how our roadmap uh, uh, evolved as well. And, and of course, as regular listeners to this podcast will know we, we've spoken to a lot of, of event tech providers and, and virtual event platforms particularly in the last you know 18 months or so on the podcast and um, many of them had to develop things from from ground zero in terms of their programming and their, 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 their coding to add new elements to them when I was looking at the developments that zoom events has announced recently and, and what it was first launched with back in August 21 um, a lot of the features, for example, like the networking feature, for example, or the, the Q&A functionality where an audience member could put a question to the speaker um, during a, a conference session. Um, a lot of that struck me as something that was fundamentally already in Zoom. There was the chat function already built into Zoom meeting. And my take on it, naively or ignorantly, is that a lot of that basis could, could just be adapted to then do these new things with it. Uh, absolutely. Um, so uh, earlier, James, you asked about roadmap. So perhaps I can talk about a few thought process as for how we uh, see we develop or evolve uh, developing uh, Zoom events. So uh, typically, we're looking into, and I'm get, I'm getting into the network, but I want to setting mm. a big picture uh, so that uh, people it, it will be easier for people to uh, follow. So we typically uh, looking into these few areas. Uh, obviously, there's a persona of event organizers, event host, and there is a persona of attendee, yeah, and of also a, a persona of uh, in-person attendees and also attendees. Now, for organizers, uh, we want to make sure that the setup is super easy. How do you set up? You don't really need a professional to set up a code event for you. Uh, yes, in some cases, you still need an army to help you, all the logistics. But <laughs> yeah. when it comes to setting up the virtual event, it shouldn't be, you need a whole army to help you out. So the setup has to be super easy, super streamlined. Uh, and the second area that we are focusing on is all about attendee experience. And you can think about how easy it is to register for the event and then for to join an uh, uh, event. And Zoom had, uh, in this area, I think has definitely has advantage. That was part of the reasons why, why Zoom became very, very successful and popular at the beginning of the pandemic. Very easy to use it, very easy to join. So this is definitely something that we continue to uh, innovate every single day. The third area you can think of is uh, for event host on the days off. How can they host it uh, with the proper pro, uh, production tools and with the easy production tools so that they don't need the whole AV team to help them out? Uh, it, of course, there are tons of tools on the market, but uh, that is not Zoom's uh, specialty is uh, how do we set it up? So that's a third area. The fourth area is what you mentioned, networking is, uh, is falling into. That's what we call the engagement. Mm -hmm. interactivity. 
So we wanted to make sure that the uh, uh, virtual events, whether that's a virtual events or hybrid events, we want to bring the in-person and a virtual attendees together so that they can be engaging by doing the Q&A, polls, survey, these are standard fare of the webinar nowadays, but we did a step, many steps further and we can talk about the networking more. And the fifth area is all about how do you make the platform hybrid? And that is not only in-person attendees, they can uh, networking with each other, but also the virtual attendees, they can interact with each other. And between these two groups, they can interact with each other. So it goes into even the conference room setup. So for example, yeah. So Zoom does not only have meetings and webinars. We also have Zoom rooms. We have tons of other stuff. And at Zoomtopia, you're about to hear a lot of new innovations that would help that hybrid work and also hybrid uh, events uh, mm. use cases. So in the room, think about how are you going to enable the remote attendee, virtual attendee to see what's going on in that virtual in that physical uh, uh, conference think about how the speakers on the stage get to see not only the people attendees sitting in that room but also the remote attendees how they react to it and mm -hmm. we have a features called the webinar reactions and this is where you can see all the uh, uh, attendees in person or uh, remote attendees they can send their reactions and they can post their uh, uh, chat not only in the webinar, but as well as uh, in a Zoom uh, lobby. And we have a Zoom room set up in a special mode where it can display and roll up the yeah. chats going on, on, the uh, on in that room as well as from remote. Mm. Yeah. So these are all under the, the hybrid and how, and then in that, uh, I talked about five categories. So, so in this hybrid, there are also other stuff. Uh, so for example, in-person, attendee, how can they walk around and knowing what's going on with this event by having something in their hand? Yeah. Mm. So now I'm going back to what, what well, I've set up this big roadmap and big, I should say, themes, five themes. Now let's go back to take a look at the, the fourth one I mentioned about, and that's engagement. And you talk mm. about the networking. So um, we believe that the uh, live events offer the best opportunity for people to build very meaningful connections that nothing beats probably real-time human uh, interactions. Um, so now attendee, we can, uh, and this is already released in the product, so they can set up their profiles to express themselves and kind of discover others in the what we call people directory. And then can easy making the uh, connections through our new, uh, very new uh, matchmaking feature. So this is attendee initiated. Now attendee, they can meet and also have a private interactions one-on-one uh, -on -one, uh, or with a small group in one-on-one -on -one chats or some ad hoc one-on-one -on -one video calls or uh, pre-scheduled calls uh, and some private uh, group chats. Now, uh, all of this are kind of a key to um, forming uh, shared uh, experiences. Mm. Now, the connections established while in the networking um, it, it won't go away um, just in, once you leave the events, nothing happened. It will actually get persisted in the event profile. And so that the attendees actually will never forget where and how they met. Now, um, remember, we also talk about it, this big ecosystem. So earlier you asked why uh, Zoom started out the events. Um, events actually is not uh, established in a, a complete vacuum. All the, we are leveraging everything that Zoom has to offer from uh, the product portfolio, from meetings 
webinars, Zoom rooms, and next is the Zoom apps I'm going to talk about. So Zoom apps basically enable the third party to be able to throw in their customized experience. And Zoom events is also beneficial from that setup. So with the Zoom apps support on meetings and webinars, event hosts can now again drive and customize the networking experience for their events, not just the ones that we from Zoom events have developed. So uh, this Zoom app uh, gives a very uh, uh, powerful uh, tool for them to be able to uh, pull in third-party networking experience. Now, um, of course, I, I've talked a lot about the networking stuff. Uh, don't take my words for it. I, I think uh, mm -hmm. definitely uh, look forward to the Zoomtopia uh, 2022 because this is where we've enabled all of those features and we showcase all of those engagement tools that we have developed. Mm. Uh, one thing that, that, that I, I've noted a few things down their way, but you, you mentioned, you use the term standard fare and already, two years into running virtual events you know there are we already have really a, a checklist of things that we see as uh, as organizers as being you know critical to using any sort of vir virtual events platform and you're quite right to say standard fare because it's a good way to describe what what i'm getting at here um a, a phrase that's also sort of sends shivers down some organizers now is tech stack where they've they've had this these many people will be familiar with situations where you may have four, five, six, seven, and beyond different tech providers all providing a slightly different element that all have to integrate with each other in order to make your virtual or hybrid event work. You may have a, a dedicated video, you know, platform, something like a vMix or something like that, a different event virtual platform host, another company doing the virtual QA that has to plug into that. And when I was reading through and when I was looking at Zoom events, one thing that struck me was that a lot of the tech stack issues that people have had over the last couple of years are effectively eliminated by having everything that's been built by you and hosted within that one platform. And I think just from a user usability point of view and user friendliness, that's, that's going to be clearly a key feature for event organizers who don't want to have to deal with different suppliers and get them to communicate with each other to get their APIs to work and all the rest of it. Having everything in one place to me is a huge, a huge benefit of something like this without sounding like I'm, you know, about to start promoting Zoom events for a living. That was something that jumped out to me when I was reading about it, looking at it, that would be a huge selling point straight away to an organizer. Absolutely. Uh, James, I think you've hit the nail uh, right there. Uh, so hosting events is not about uh, how fancy I can do make the event look either colorful or even make the website look fantastic. And a lot of times uh, event hosts and event organizers are behind the scene. People don't see how much hard work they have put it in. So we, uh, at Zoom, we definitely uh, uh, were very uh, acutely aware how we should make their job easy, mm -hmm. how they should focus on the contents, but not the technical uh, steps. Mm -hmm. And the ease of use and also how we innovate the technology to make those things easy is something that Zoom uh, and the Zoom events team are super passionate about. So a lot of things have gone in there. And so first of all, like I said, those whole Zoom events are not created in vacuum. We are actually are beneficial. We take advantage of this whole Zoom product portfolio. Like I mentioned, all the way from being able to join the events from any devices 
any communication mechanism you can think of, even from the phone line, from the computer devices, the laptop and the uh, mobile uh, devices, all kinds of mobile devices, and as well as from browsers. So Zoom has all the products supported on this all platforms. Yeah. Number two, we talk about the hybrid. Hybrid, there is the in-person uh, uh, rooms uh, experience and there's a remote experience and the Zoom room has bridged those two. Yeah. Now, number three, we also, uh, last year, we had a tiny, tiny bit of acquisition. I don't know when anyone had a follow. Uh, that is uh, Zoom OSC, uh, Zoom IS, right. ISO. So these are, uh, think about that these are something that is built on top of using Zoom meeting SDK, but the ease of the use it provides is that you may not have to, to set up all the vMix or even um, uh, um, some other tools uh, sets I'm not going to mention, mm. but imagine something with all of this, you may not be able to set the 100% of those feature sets, but the majority of the, your use case can be used just from the zoom client itself how cool would that be yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. The, the, so i i've been there behind the scenes so a lot of what you're saying i can i can relate to and and the, the, the other thing that springs to mind there is the question of sort of back of house production as i would call it so and this would be specifically i suppose in a no not necessarily actually in a hybrid and a virtual event so if we take a live event scenario as the example you would have a sound engineer controlling the level of the microphones in the room. You would have maybe a lighting engineer controlling whether the stage is lit correctly. Somebody else controlling the screens, showing the presentation deck or the slides, whatever may be used. Um, and, and having that back-end control in a virtual or a hybrid setting as well. Because when we first ca all came onto Zoom meeting, obviously everybody was just in charge of their own audio. Some people would use their inbuilt mic on their laptop. Some people would have a USB microphone. People may be more sophisticated and have an interface with a, a professional quality microphone. Um, and of course, one thing about delivering events of any kind is that you want the best output possible for your audience. So uh, I, I'm, I'm keen to sort of, you know, maybe find out a little bit more detail about the, the back end production. You know, could I, as an organizer, could I sit in the, in the background and control audio levels, lighting, you know, contrast, screen brightness and things like that? What sort of, um, what sort of tools are there in the back end to simulate that live production element that you would usually have technicians operating on? Yeah, so uh, James, uh, that's also another great question. Uh, and also it's an area that probably would demand many, many uh, innovations alone. Uh, so I'm actually not too familiar with uh, that area. What I could uh, share is that uh, think of uh, uh, from two uh, areas, and that is number one, there are some of the contents you can pre-produce before right. the days off and how you can bring those pre-produced contents into the real time so mm -hmm. that you only need to focus a small section of the show. Of course, yeah. And then okay. mingle them together. So this will be one of the areas that we Zoom uh, innovations will shine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the other areas will be that, imagine that when the TV uh, show host interviews a few people from all over the places, how can we bring them together in a coherent way and in the almost like professional looking production? Yeah. And this is a, something that we can help. 
Yeah, now, absolutely. The very particular feature that you're, lo you're looking for and how do we control the lighting and all of those, it does require uh, quite a bit of APIs uh, mm. integration. So this is something that we're currently looking into but may not be immediately uh, to address. Why? Because there is quite a bit of uh, the audio level and also the uh, depending on the the, uh, um, the hardware that you use, how to bring them together and how do you make them talk to each other. And right now there's no good sets of standard in tech world, we call it a protocol. Of course. To yeah. set them up. So yeah. uh, now do we have uh, some sort of a template how those things can be done. Absolutely. So we also have our uh, events pro service team who can help uh, bring uh, showcases some of templates and uh, helping our customers to set them up in the actual room and in the back in the, uh, the real backstage. Now we focus on more focus on around how in the virtual world and how do we bring those pieces together and how we can do some magic in the cloud. Mm, absolutely. Um, if I may, um, I'm going to move on to uh, talking about um, data and analytics, because this, to me, again, is, is a key part of um, all events now, whether they be virtual or live events, is through the registration system, through um, uh, touch points that you have on expo floors now, um, and in virtual events, you have a huge amount of data that's generated. And when we're talking about the scale at which uh, Zoom events can now deliver events for organizers where there are tens of thousands of people participating. The amount of data that's going to be generated uh, in terms of the interactions, how many people watched a particular session, what questions did they ask, keywords within some of those questions. I know that the, the, the being able to dive deeper into the, the data and the analytics was one of the developments that, 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 that's come out recently. And I was just wondering if you could maybe expand a little bit on, on some of those um, analytical elements and, and how they're gonna benefit organizers. Absolutely. Uh, if there's one thing that we do very well and that is attendee engagement data, uh, why? Uh, because it's actually easier to capture on the virtual online using the software apps than in person. Just imagine that in person, if you want to uh, count how many people have, anchor, uh, encount, uh, have entered those expo booths, much harder, right? You probably want to enforce everyone to, uh, to do the QR code in, uh, so, so that you can tell. So attendee uh, engagement uh, and also attendee uh, interactiveness, uh, the engagement uh, metrics is something that we do very well. Um, and we can track anywhere from how many of them have come into uh, the lobby, event lobby, how many of them have joined certain sessions and how long they stayed in the session and the, what the key, some of the keywords of that session uh, are because then you can kind of bring together, oh, yeah. this employee, this attendee must be interested. For example, our Zoom room offer, uh, oh, I, they might be interested in say some wireless security because you can kind of deduce from the session yeah. keywords, yeah. And we can also track that in the particular session, how engaged this attendee were by looking at the number of reactions they sent and by looking at how engaged they were doing the Q&A, asking questions and also send out the chat so that we can tell that how, what this attendee might be interested in. Now we also have a few others. So uh, such as um, the, we have, a, we call the events dashboard and then host can also generate the reports 
uh, and uh, there's a sorting uh, functionality as, uh, where the host can view, uh, can uh, export, and can download the, those metrics, not only just looking at the chart, but the download the, the reports so that they, they, they can dissect the data in any way uh, they want. So other than the attendee uh, information, we ha also have a lot of uh, registration. Uh, now, like registration, you can put a tons of questions there, and then you can immediately collect the, uh, what uh, users and what marketing uh, sectors they might be coming from, what they might coming to this conference, coming to this events, what they are looking for, and, uh, for, uh, and their company size, all of this registration data uh, that can dissect it as well. Now, uh, we also have an uh, expo booth, and that is where the sponsors can actually host their uh, virtual material as well as host yep. an actual live uh, 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 speech or live presentation there. And we can also show how those attendees, for example, have clicked on your product brochure and what they're looking into. And uh, what, how many of the, those uh, attendees have jumped on your live uh, uh, presentation. Now, there are attendees who don't like any of this. They just like to lay back. So then we also capture that, uh, how long they stayed in the lobby and then watching the live streaming as if they're watching the TV um, standing outside of a conference room, meaning that they're not going to the conference room, but they're just looking at the uh, uh, live streaming and how long they've been watching it. And then where did they go to download some of the either speaker bio or the product information or the contents uh, uh, download? Uh, so tons of analytics uh, stuff built into then I would say this is one of the areas that, that the virtual element is actually more powerful yeah. than person because it's a so much easy you have so much data you can dissect yes now we what's also it, make sorry I, I should say what's important though there is how is that's presented back to the organizer because having thousands and thousands of strands of, of, of data and code coming out of the system is one thing but being able to present that back to an organizer in a meaningful way that they can actually interpret and adjust their event going forward. I'm going there. It's really important. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Yeah. So we have the dashboard that we believe that most of the event organizers would be interested. So we present a very, uh, it's, uh, uh, quite some charts. They're organized by the, the area. So for example, attendee engagement, the sponsor uh, metrics. Mm -hmm. So very easy charts and not, so, not very complex. And we uh, deliberately mm -hmm. chose to, to design that way. And then we also have a reports download. This is where if you feel like all our charts are still not good enough, you can always download those uh, reports and then do your own uh, uh, data analysis as well. Now, furthermore, we also support a few MAS marketing automation system integrations, right. so such as um, uh, uh, Marketo, uh, Eloqua, and Pardot, and uh, very soon uh, Salesforce. So this is where, again, there are tons of data that you can, uh, we actually push to those, depending on what you want, how you want us to push. And then you can completely use a third party of the MAS to, again, do the data analysis. Yeah, and, and yeah, that, that, that's key for me because I've seen good and bad examples with other providers of, you know, data and, and how it's presented back to the organizers. And, you know, having, a few companies got blinded by having lots and lots and lots of data, forgetting the fact that because they understood it and they were able to interpret it very easily because they're a tech provider, the event organizer who is not a tech specialist, you know, to them, 
50 pages you know a 50 page pdf of analytics and data from the from the event was maybe not not so good so you know the the, the development of, of this dashboard where people can see quickly and easily you know some of the key key metrics from their event i suppose is 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 critical going forward because as you said there's so much more data that gets output from virtual events um than there is and one one other thing that you mentioned there is is people who are maybe not interacting as much within the uh, the platform i've heard some organizers say well we need to see more information about the people who are not interacting as much why they're not to me that's a simulation of real life because if you were in an expo hall or a conference center you would have certain people who come in who shake hands with 400 people over the space of three days and who want to talk to everybody in every sponsor and booth there you also have people that quietly come in through registration quietly make their way around the expo hall pick up some information quietly and surreptitiously and then leave and so having people who don't interact is no different to, to real life i think yeah, actually, um, this is a great point of uh, some of the virtual attendees. Like you said, this uh, very symptom uh, probably is also see among the uh, in-person attendees as well. And this is where all this uh, online analytics plays a very important role. So, for example, when I come in, I may not sit there, listen through the whole session for an hour. But then while I was listening, for example, I might choose to go to different places and click around. Yeah, this is something that virtual online can do very well, collecting the data, how people are actually uh, downloading and watching, not necessarily just go into the session and do the QA and do the survey. Yes, they might do that, but they probably do some other things much, much more. So, for example, and I, for one, I like to watch the recording that sometimes in a lifetime. Why? Because it mm -hmm. saves me time. I can speed play. I can see yeah. play at 1.5. So one hour, it becomes likely 30 minutes I can finish it. And I can also use the keyword uh, search to find the section from the recording where I like to tune in. Yeah. So these are some of the data. It does not mean that if an uh, uh, attendee did not have submitted chat, submitted a Q&A, or in some cases did not listen to the real-time sessions, that means that they're disengaged, no. Online has offered so many different ways for them to play. And I truly see that's one benefit of online. Like I said, like this watch recording, only pick the notion, pick the session that I like and to me, and also being able to speed play them. I thought that was a huge time saving. Yes, there will be time that I'm coming in to interact with the people, but mostly for networking purpose. Mm. Uh, the, the, the other thing, we, we're blasting through time today and there's so much we could talk about um and i've got to sort of pick one thing that i think actually i really want to find out a bit more about that and it was the audio transcriptions which might seem really simple but to me i, I, I when i read about it i see so many applications not just in events but in academia particularly you know um if you were to if you're using the platform for you know, two thousand people to attend a lecture at, at college or, or in a university scenario, or a, a, something like a pharmaceutical conference where there's a huge amount of information being relayed um, that you might want to read back and recap on later on. The audio transcription uh, features, I think, is something that, if it's okay, I'd like to just ask you about and maybe expand on before we wrap up today. Uh, that may not be my domain, but I can uh, share whatever I know about it. <laughs> Go ahead. Mm -hmm. Well, it was, it was just that the, the fact that 
what I read about the transcriptions is is the ability to actually sort of jump to desired locations of the transcript and um, and choose to play certain elements of it um, oh. because it could be, you know and and having maybe a written transcript of a session um, if I'm reading that correctly you know that there's there's an, a transcript would suggest that there is a, a written you know um, an automated sort of written transcript of it that people can then reference you know in writing to read back themselves as to what was said or discussed during a particular session I just found it to be really interesting as I said particularly in a in an okay. academic session I thought it, it would have great applications yeah uh, so I can share a couple of things that I know that zoom products offer now uh, not only just from zoom events now of course zoom events are built on top of zoom meetings and zoom webinars so whatever the features you see with the meetings and the webinars they're in the zoom events as well and uh, by the way I'm also mm. aware of the webinar so I know uh, very well uh, what sure, those yeah. features are that are being leveraged for uh, zoom events so first of all uh, there is an audio transcription so what that does is that while we're talking here if we choose to enable the audio transcription in cloud, then cloud will be doing the AI to map your, so basically this is a voice recognition, right? Sure. Into yeah. uh, the certain language. Now Zoom also has a capability to either detect the kind of the language we're talking or there's a setting in a Zoom meeting where you can say, now I'm speaking English and I want that to be, for example, translated in uh, Spanish. But first of all, voice recognition, it has to be able to transcribe what we say into the text. Yes. That's the first step. Yeah. Now, the second step is now, of course, if you want to translate that one language to another language, and there is a translation uh, service living, and tr that will be able to translate from one language to another multiple languages, depending on user's choice. Yeah. So that's on the audio transcription and also the uh, uh, tra uh, text translation. Now, the how do we uh, summarize, highlight the keywords from audio transcription? This is where in a technology we call NLP, uh, and that's natural language processing. Yeah, so we are able to looking at the text and a kind of highlight. These keywords represent this whole paragraph. Are the highlights of this keyword of this uh, um, um, paragraph? So we use that NLP technology to highlight certain keywords. Mm -hmm. Now, when user listens into the recording, remember earlier how I say, I actually like to watch a recording because it saves me time. It helps me to uh, fast track to where I'm truly interested in. I'm actually relying on that feature and that is I search. So for example, if James, every time James mentioned events, I wanted uh, want to watch, then I can use that feature to search for events, James, then the recording transcription that uh, UI would take me into that section and that I can fast play your video and what you exactly say uh, over there. Now, um, Zoom events, uh, again, uh, are totally um, leveraging all the underneath these few features. And uh, these few features indeed are something that is a very um, popular amount our events use and people tend to enable the audio trans, uh, uh, transcription and enable the audio transcription in the recording playback in the Zoom events lobby. And then in the actual events, 
enable the even ASL. I, I, I don't know whether you're familiar with the ASL, so someone speaking the no. sign language. Oh, of course, yes, yeah. It's, yeah, it's yeah. Sign language. ASL, yes, of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So these are, and then last year in Zoomtopia, um, I believe we have translate, not only we host it in English, but at least seven or eight different languages. Wow. So we were, we were all using uh, our own very adapter to enable that. Yeah. And to tie that in, you know, again, to uh, operational aspects of events now is, is that there is a, a huge um, push at the moment for inclusivity and uh, making events I I inclusive. You know, a few years ago, just to reference the UK, we, we, we had we made huge steps to um, make sure that, that people with physical disabilities could get access anywhere, that there were acts brought in the Disability Discrimination Act back in the in the 90s and then de developments to that um, to make sure that venues and, and physical places and spaces were accessible to people with physical uh, disabilities. We're now seeing the whole subject of inclusivity taking a step further and, and events you know, being in inclusive for people who are hard of hearing or deaf, for people who are visually impaired. You know, so all of these um, fantastic technological developments, a lot of which are driven by advances in artificial intelligence are fantastic because they're also helping us meet some of these inclusivity targets that certainly here in the UK, the, the events industry is really keen to, um, to, to push the subject of inclusivity um, in, in the short term. You know, the, the pe people are making changes now for their events this year, not in five years time and in, and in 10 years time. So um, it's fascinating to hear about some, some of those subjects. We've been talking on the Event Industry News podcast today to Wei Li, who is the head of Zoom events. And it's been a genuine privilege to, to have you know, somebody from Zoom on the podcast and to be able to record this via Zoom as well, um, which is great. And that's exactly what we're doing today. We are using the Zoom platform to record this podcast. And, and if I can just end uh, on this this thought, uh, Waylee, is that I, I think every single person who listens to this podcast will have used Zoom at some point. Absolutely. it's I'll nail my colours to the mask strongly there. Everyone will have used it. A lot of those event organizers will have also explored different virtual events platforms and how to host their hybrid event or how to host their virtual event and looked at lots of new platforms that have come to market. And maybe they didn't realize that hiding in plain sight is a platform that they're already familiar with, that they already know how to use in terms of the Zoom meeting functionality, that with just a few extra steps, they've actually got an ideal online virtual hybrid events platform sat there waiting for them that maybe people have become blinded by looking at all of these new platforms out there that some of them may have not realized that zoom events even existed it may have passed them by so i really hope that anybody who's listening to this podcast today who already has a zoom account go in there and just search for zoom events it's what i did today before the podcast have a look at zoom events and just read about it and i guarantee you that within a few minutes you will understand what it's about. You'll realize, wow, this has got pretty much everything that I need from an events platform and it's all built into one space. Um, and, and I think we would be pleasantly surprised by how many people go and do just that after they've listened to today's podcast and maybe um, realize it was there all along. I just didn't know it, um, certainly for the last year or so. Um, so yeah, a, a genuine pleasure speaking to you today, Wei. Before we do wrap up um, and bring, bring today's episode to a close, if people want to find out more about Zoom events, I presume it's really easy to do that, but, but tell us how they find you and, and how they get in touch. Absolutely. Uh, so uh, you can definitely find the Zoom events at uh, events.zoom, 
.us. So events plural and .zoom.us. Uh, you'll find everything about Zoom events. And uh, two, uh, and so some social media, we also have uh, some handles that you can follow at both Twitter as well as Inst Instagram and LinkedIn. So for, for the first two, the uh, handles are at Zoom, at Zoom, at both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, now, on internet, you can simply just search Zoom events, then you'll find everything about us. And we have a lot of good white paper as well as support articles about Zoom events. You can find out all the features uh, that you, you, you uh, get to uh, see in the Zoom events. And to James' point, just try it out. I believe everyone now on your uh, Mac, on your Windows uh, desktop and devices, you may already have had a Zoom events, uh, Zoom uh, uh, clients, tried it out, and it, it, it just enabled a Zoom event license, then you'll be able to see all the features yourself. That's yeah, fascinating. And, and as I said, you know, it's one of those podcasts where we're well over our normal time, but that's because there's so much to talk about. And I feel that, that there is so much that we could have talked about as well. Um, and it would be great to, to hear from you, you know, in future with new developments. We'd love to know what we you know, what, what new features are being added, you know, further down the line, because like any, you know, event platform of this nature, um, inevitably there will be ongoing developments. You will always be getting feedback from users and from event organizers who are using the platform. And that will in turn go to sort of drive you forward. Yes, very quickly. So November 8th and 9th, that's our annual Zoomtopia timeframe. And I will be speaking at a keynote uh, about events and a webinar. And I'm very excited because I have a very few uh, very exciting innovations that I'm going to share um, for the events and a webinar. So come to uh, get some new information and find out the, the upcoming new features from Zoomtopia. And perhaps if we could get some some information and links um, about Zoomtopia, we Zoomtopia. can pop that in the, in the description. Let, let's go Zoomtopia.com and we'll pop a link in the description of today's episode when it goes up onto the Event Industry News website. So there'll be a link in the description as well um, to Zoomtopia and anybody who's listening to this today and who wants to take this episode a little bit further in their own time, uh, Zoomtopia will be the place to go, which which is a nice way of bringing us to the end of today's episode, Way. Um, and, and maybe just a quick reminder to, uh, to our followers that if you are listening to this on your audio podcast platform, thank you very much for tuning in. We hope you've enjoyed today's conversation. Um, and please do head over to eventindustrynews.com for the latest news, features and supplements of what's going on in the events industry, both in the UK, in Europe and internationally as as well in North America, our friends in the Middle East and over in Asia, huge event communities all around the world now, all linked up via these fantastic platforms. So please do check out eventindustrynews.com. Of course, if you are already on eventindustrynews.com and you are watching the video version of today's podcast, Thank you very much for tuning in. It's a pleasure as always. And don't forget that you can get audio versions of all of our podcasts. Just go to wherever you get your podcasts from. Search for the Event Industry News Podcast and you can hit subscribe, whether that's on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever else. Um, and that brings us to the end of today's episode. Our thanks once again to Head of Zoom Events, Wei Li, for joining us early in the morning from California. Thank you very much, Wei. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for having me. And my name's James Dixon. This is the Event Industry News Podcast, and we'll see you on the next episode. Goodbye, everybody. Mm -hmm.